Rick Senior was a war hero because he was shot in the shoulder, saving his comrades from certain death. Uh, you know, Rick couldn't just drop his duties to his country that easy. After a week of being home, he went to the police academy, where he passed every test with flying colors. Uh, you know, he graduated the police academy in October 31st of 1967. Then he became a police officer for the 26th district in Harlem, New York, where he was a threat to everyone on the streets. If you was committing crime, my father was a threat to you. You know. Rick was very effective at what he did. When my father's police car was spotted, motherfucker shut down shop. But after a while, Rick Sr. became part of the trash he was trying to throw out. Rick Sr. was approached by Nicky Barnes one night. While he was having drinks with some friends in Barnes' establishment. He refused at first, but then he thought about it. Fuck it. Everybody's getting theirs. So he took Nikki's offer. Nikki told Rick that he'll pay him 5000 a night to watch his back while he partied with some of the most dangerous and richest drug dealers in the city on the weekends. Rick ended up becoming Nikki's full-time bodyguard on his nights off as a police officer. Nikki Barnes heard about my father in a very much unusual way. Very, very unusual. Rick Sr. was the police officer, you know, that was shutting down Nikki Barnes' spots in the neighborhood. At one point, Nikki had put a hit on Rick Sr. For, for disturbing his workers and his drug dens. But, Rick wasn't afraid. You know? He wasn't afraid at all. He still continued to go at Nikki like it was his last thing on earth. My father was crazy. He was really crazy, you know. My father was a shark. A blue-collar shark. I would say. You know, you know. He was a beast. He still continued to go at Nikki Barnes with no questions asked. Now, it's a flip side to this shit right here, though. Now, Nikki Barnes admired my father for his heart and what he stood for. Even though it was on a different side of the tracks, he still had a connection with Rick Sr. He withdrew the contract on Rick's life with hopes of meeting Rick one day. You know? The game is funny like that. It can go one way, then it can go another. You know what I'm saying? 
once Rick and Nikki met, they became the best of friends. You know? Wow. Rick even used his police officer status to get Nikki outside out, out of some danger with other dirty police officers. They wanted to extort Nikki Barnes and take over his territory. Now, Rick told these, these crooked cops that if they fucked with his client, he would kill them and their families. So the dirty cops, they backed off. They didn't want that kind of trouble coming from my father. Because my father had his hands in both parts of the game. He was a cop getting ready to become a fed. Then he had connections in the street. You know? Widespread. Arms like an octopus. You know? And that's what I loved about my dad. He was a stand-up guy. Total businessman. So, at this time, Rick, my father, was only 22 years old when he started working for Nicky Barnes. He bought his partners, Derek Parsons, after Nicky asked him to find some more guys, you know, to watch his back. He needed, he, needed, he needed a crew of dirty cops. My father was enough, but he know my father needed help. So Derek was also corrupt. But he had a squad. My father had a squad called the Posse. Now the Posse consisted of five detectives, five beat officers, five narcotics officers. My father was a part of the posse, so he employed a lot of these guys with partners to be with Nicky Bombs. So he employed all of them to secure the team for Nicky Barnes. You know? Back at his job as a police officer, he made detective in three years' time. No matter what Rick Senior did on the streets, he took his job as a cop seriously. And his plan was to work for the FBI one day. My father was very, very smart. He used his brains most of the time, 90% of the time, 98% of the time. And I now know where I gained my smarts from. My father. He gave me the best schooling I could ever have in these streets. I learned the game from a crooked cop, my, my father, Rick Sr. Everybody was interested in Rick Sr. Law enforcement, as I'm saying. In fact, all three governmental branches of law enforcement we're trying to recruit my father, Rick Sr. They were all wanting him. A criminal working for the government. Infiltrating. The FBI was interested in my father 
for his manhunting skills. And his law enforcement skills. During that same year, the CIA wanted Rick Sanchez to work closely with them in the Colombian government to bring Pablo Escobar to justice. My father turned down that opportunity because he knew that if he took down Escobar, that it would completely stop the drug flow for our distribution network. We couldn't have that. So, it was what it was, man. My father, man, you know, working for the fucking government. My father turned down, turned it down because he didn't want to go back to war. He wanted to go, he didn't want to even go back to a war setting, you know. He had experienced enough trauma in his life to where he didn't want to put himself back in that predicament. It was money he made. In the streets You know Major money And he knew That his son Rick Jr Was up and coming And I was taking over the streets You know And my father Being law enforcement And dirty at the same time And being connected He wanted some And you know why I couldn't blame him I couldn't blame him, man. The following year, the DEA came calling also. Now, drug enforcement agency jobs sounded like something he was interested in. The DEA wanted Rick to go undercover in Los Angeles as a drug dealer. And Rick was considering this opportunity because that would open up a whole new territory for him and the posse. He was on his way until Nikki expressed to him how important it was to stay here. Now, my father was a businessman. A great businessman. But He chose to stay Plus For his troubles His $5,000 a night salary Tripled to $15,000 a night From Nikki Barnes Rick Sr. in the posse Was some of the most Feared police officers In Harlem And around the other parts of New York Now the posse they were brutal and swift at what, you know, at what they were hired and paid to do. Some of the biggest drug dealers, some of the biggest in Harlem, hired the posse for protection against their rivals. Rick Sr. was a head of a bunch of killers with badges. Which made everything easy You know Hey It's going down man This shit gonna get deep for y'all niggas You understand 
It's gonna get deep. At first, it was just bodyguarding for Nikki Barnes. You know? Now, he was selling cocaine. He was selling kilos of cocaine. To some of the biggest niggas in Harlem, New York. Brooklyn. Far Rockaway. Best Iris. Places like that. We're gonna let this shit play on. You know? Hey. These are some of the most magical years of our life. You know? But. Now, Derek Barnes, he ripped off and killed some Mexican drug runner. The runner was the son of a lieutenant in the Knights Templar cartel. Now, this is a touchy situation because it kind of fucked up our business and the way we was getting money because we had to go to war with these motherfuckers, man. So, you know, Derek didn't realize the shit stormed down me that he stepped in for killing and robbing that motherfucking lieutenant's nephew for them 100 kilos of pure cocaine, man. Everything Derek took, you know what I'm saying? He split 50-50 with Rick Senior every time. Derek came to Rick's house in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. To give him half of the drugs that he had took from this Mexican drug runner. And to remind you, he killed, shot in the face. About two, three times. Totally obliterated and smoked this nigga head. You know what I'm saying? Then buried him. But the kicker was, that motherfucker never came back to the cartel. He never came back to his own. So... Derek came to Rick's house in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, you know what I'm saying? Gave him 50, 50 kilos of the drugs or whatever, 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 whatever they had, they split. Which is 50 kilos. Ricky, Rick, he took the stuff straight to Nicky Barnes and sold it to him for 12000 a key. You know what I'm saying? That's how, that's how he sold that shit. My dad, he wanted to get that shit out of his possession. Because he already knew what was going to take place after that shit happened. So... The deal was done, and Rick Singer walked out of Nikki's office with $600,000 richer. You know what I'm saying? One thing I knew is that the cartel didn't care if you were a police officer. The Knights were looking for Derek and his family. So it was going to go the fuck down. You know what I'm saying? The Minister of Destruction in the Knights Templar. These are the motherfuckers that we was getting ready to go to war with. One thing about the cartel is that they had billions of dollars. You know? They had billions of fucking dollars, man. In connections. These motherfuckers have more connections than the DEA. 
and the CEA combined. And these was the motherfuckers who is gay trade bullets with. Now the shit's getting ready to get deeper. One thing about these motherfuckers is that they had endless resources. When it comes when it when it came down to their connections. Derek put his family in hiding. But he refused to hide. You know, and that was his downfall. He refused to hide from these motherfuckers. And after my father, Rick Senior, told him, put your family up. Disappear. Take the money you took from killing this motherfucker and just go somewhere. But Derek was a he had addiction to heroin. You know? Which made him stay. You know? Yes, they were police officers and they had the power. But the cartel was on a whole nother level. We just couldn't go to war with Knights, Templar Cartel. They were too powerful. The Knights couldn't find Derek, themselves. So they paid an out of state gang of thugs called the Masters of Destruction to look for Derek and his family. Now, the MODs made our money by drug trafficking, weapons. Assault, burglary, kidnapping, theft. They did it all. They had their hands in every part of the game. And we began to go to war with these motherfuckers as well. The Knights sent their no MOD from California to Harlem just to find out who killed their associate's nephew. Here we go. We later found out that the MOD were rivals with the junior criminal Crips and they were close associates with me and Derek. When I say me, I mean the son, Rick Jr. So, if we was getting ready to go to war with the cartel and these crazy motherfucking tied it up, cut your head off at the drop of a dime ass, SK carrying motherfuckers. We had to have some enforcements ourselves. So, we had to make calls. I guess you know what that meant. The war was getting ready to begin. Let it begin. Now. We both went out to Brooklyn to talk to that leader, Winky Lowe. The Juniors agreed to protect Derek and hide his family, free of all charge. Now the Lopes were some stone cold motherfucking killers, man. Straight from straight, straight from straight from LA. The west side of Compton to be to be exact. Now Tuki 
Back in the 60s and 70s started this gang off. They have deep, 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 deep history in gang ties to other Crips in L.A. So, you know, it was what it was, man. We had connections, too, you know what I'm saying? Now that, you know what I mean, now that, now that, now that was done. Once that was established, you know, we got in touch with motherfuckers, you know. Now we just wait this storm out and see what the move of the MOBs is going to be. Now the Minister of Destruction Gang began in Fresno, California area and have actually been spread throughout the United States. This is a powerful gang, y'all. You know? Some states consist of Alaska, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Georgia, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oregon, and Wisconsin. They were all over the place. They were all over the place, man. They are one of the biggest and most organized Asian gangs in the USA. A lot of their sets are made up of a lot of teenagers that commit low-level crimes, you know. And more mature members, you know, they looked out for the young ones. They also worked alongside the Yakuza when it came to trafficking, specifically methamphetamine and weapons. Now, members of the MOD were made up, they, they made use of, uh, you know, they, they were contract hitmen by the, by, the, by the Yakuza and other cartels. The Lieutenant of the Knights, you know, uh, I don't have really too much information on this guy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he was like a, he was like a phantom. You know, he was back in the shadows. So, but anyway, supposedly he ran the MOD. So, uh, Derek Parsons and his young daughter and wife one night. You know, Derek went. He he went out to the bar. He couldn't stay still. To the Lower East Side of Queens. Called the Nightcap. That was his favorite spot in Queens. The only problem is, so did the MOs of the MOD. They knew where to lay on him at. Now I told Derek plenty of times, man, that these guys meant business. And that you killed somebody near and dear to a lieutenant from a cartel. Now, I'm going to dig into the assassination of Derek Parsons, my father's partner. Derek was told by Winky Loke, who was hiding him that night, that if he wanted to go out, take some of the junior crips with him. That way he would be protected. Well, Derek, you know, his stubbornness, he refused. Derek said, fuck that. He grabbed his 245s and he left. 
the safe house with his daughter and wife still safe and guarded by the criminal Crips. He did this without Winky or any of the juniors knowing. You know? So, if something was to happen, Rick or Winky wouldn't even know where to look for him at. It was wild. So, you know, Derek was a hard-headed son of a bitch. But, you know what they say. A hard head makes a soft ass. So, you know your usual scenario being set up by chicks. It works every time. It happens to some of your GS niggas, man. You know? It is what it is, though. So my father, he was deeply upset when what was about to take place happened. But if it's on, then it's on. Check this out. Derek was sitting at the bar drinking and talking with two hookers. Like he didn't have $500, like he didn't have a $500,000 contract on his fucking life, man. You know? One of the members from the gang spotted Derek. He went and sat in a booth and called four, mem four more members of the MOD. He just sat there watching Derek like a tiger watching his prey. Until the rest of the MOD homies came. Once they got there, they called the they they, they he, he called the members inside the bar. And uh the members asked, is he still there? One of the members said, Yeah, he's still there. So the member in the car told one of the guys in the bar to come out. Now remember I told you Derek had his two four five pistols. Once he came out and got inside the car. They just sat and they waited for unsuspected dirt to come stumbling out of the, out of the nightcap bar. Meanwhile, Derek, while Derek was inside finishing up his drink, trying to get the hookers to leave with him, but they refused because they knew that Derek was a dead man walking. These bitches ain't shit nowadays. You know what I'm saying? They set you off anything. He finished his drink. Grabbed his jacket, left the bar, not knowing that there was a group of MODs out there waiting for him outside. It's gonna be lights out, buddy. So we sing the song for Derek. Moment of silence for Derek. Now the MOD spotted Derek come out the bar door. They immediately jumped out the car and started to follow Derek to his car. Until Derek spotted them because of their tattoos. They all pulled their guns at the same time. 
Derek was up number two to one. A shootout occurred between Derek and the MODs. Derek was armed with two forty-five pistols, but it wasn't enough for the MODs. HK G36 submachine guns. They had some. They had some old foreign shit. They had shit that was ripping through Derek's fucking car. He couldn't even duck. He shot it out with him until he until both of his guns ran were, were empty and smoking. They had him pinned behind the dumpster. In the dark alley. 2.30 in the fucking morning, man. With Rick Sr. and the rest of the posse home sound to fucking sleep. When he tried to call Rick Sr., he realized he didn't have his phone. Wow. What a way to go out, bro. That feeling you get right before you get ready to die. No one would know what it feels like until it happens to him. You know? He didn't even remember. He didn't even he left it in the fucking bar. The MOD, there no MODs, they stopped shooting because they knew that Derek was out of bullets. Right at that moment, Derek thought he could talk his way out of it. But little did Derek know. Is that the MODs were there just waiting for him to show himself so they could finish the job? It was so many, it, 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 it was no way Derek could get his way out of this one. He's talked this way out of plenty of situations, you know, but this time. It just wasn't going to work for him. I think you already know what's going to happen next. As soon as Derek came from behind the dumpster with his hands up, the MODs waited until he got within distance of their scopes. Then they immediately emptied their HKs into his intoxicated body. They filled him up. More than five rounds hit Derek from the top of his head to the bottom of his boots. Wow. And you would think from all them shoot from all them from all that shooting that the police would have came by now. But that never happened. Because the police didn't want any problems with the MODs. Or the Knights Templar Cartel. So now, it was the posse versus the MOD. So the police, they just let this shit happen. When Rick Sr. and the rest of the posse got to the scene, they were horrified by what they saw. It was a counter brutality. 
that you seen on CNN when they were talking about those drug wars in Florida that year. Rick Singer and the posse knew exactly what was going on, who was responsible. While the rest of the department wasn't was blind about the situation, Derek was shot so many times that his body was drained of two-thirds of his blood. So Rick Sr., his wife, and the department thought it was the best, you know, It was the it was the it was best for his kids not even let him know what happened. You know? So Rick had made a promise to Derek's wife that he will find the people responsible for her husband's death. And that's something that he vowed to do until the day he had died. To find out who had killed his friend. After Derek was laid to rest, a bloody war ensued between the posse and the MODs. The MODs were brutal, but the posse was the most feared man of crooked cops this side of the river. You know? And this was their town. And they would prove that no matter how many of them died in the process. Rick Sr. and the posse started bombing and shooting up every MOD spot they could find. And the MOD did just the same in response to what my father was doing. They started shooting up. And bombing all of the drug dens the posse had. The MODs even bombed a couple of police stations around the city. You know? It's getting crazy out there. A couple of cops' wives were kidnapped, raped, and killed. Rick Senior was almost murdered by the MODs as well. It's gonna get wild, y'all. Now listen to this story about my father and the MODs. Rick Senior, you know, was a military man. And he was ready for war no matter what. Action-packed combat nigga. So he was coming out of Nicky Barnes' bar one afternoon when he realized the MODs was hot on his trail. It was two of them so Rick knew he had to get to his car because he was on he was unarmed at the time. And his car waited an AR-15 locked and cocked and ready to rock. You know? My father was fucking ready. The MODs weren't carrying peace shooters though. That's for sure. They were both armed with 21 shot Beretta 9mm handguns. The shootout was horrific. 
But we great digging to it right now. Just hold your horses, y'all. Check this out. Them ODs check he, they chased Rick Senior to his patrol car where he was able to get to his trunk and grab hold of the of his assault rifle. Them ODs seen Rick Senior close his trunk and duck for cover. They immediately started firing their nine their nine millimeter Berettas at Rick Senior. Rick Senior had military training, so no matter what the MODs threw at him, they missed. Rick Senior waited until the two closed in. He appeared from the spot where he was hiding in between the cars. He laid down some heavy gunfire in the direction of the MODs, killing both gang members on the spot. It seemed like this was war between the. It, it, it seemed it, it was it was getting crazy that year. You know what I'm saying? For my dad, you know what I'm saying. He was getting money at the same time. You know, trying to protect his image with the police. It seemed like this war between the posse and the Mudis would never end. You know, and the critics were right. There was no end in sight. Nicky Barnes even got caught. In the war between Rick Senior and MODs. Members of the posse were ordered to protect, they were ordered to protect Nikki while Rick Senior went to the FBI training academy in Quantico, Virginia. Quantico, I'm sorry. Quantico. Nikki Barnes was throwing a party for Guy Fisher in the council. Guys like Wallace Rice, you know, it was a star-studded event, you know, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier even attended the party, weeks after their fight in the Thrill Malou, it was a story fight, you know, you can go back to YouTube now and shit, you can't go look that shit up, the mission was to kill them both. So check it out. I'm gonna tell you how this shit get. The posse was ordered by Barnes to guard the door and don't let anyone in without an invite or a password. That's how serious the war was getting. Barnes was well aware of the war and the dangers. Of, have, of having Rick Senior in the posse as his allies. Nicky didn't care though. He didn't give a fuck. He was just as dangerous as any cartel or mob leader himself. He considered Rick Senior and the members of the posse to be 
So as if they They were family So if they were at war Then so was Nikki All hands down Now The lieutenant of the cartel Got wind of this And told the MODs He will double the $500,000 bounty If they could catch Rick Sr. And Nikki together And kill them both but little did the MODs know, Rick Sr. was out of town on a particular on this particular night. You know? While the party was taking place, the five MODs members sat down the street in a car and they were all dressed as women. They were ordered to watch the bar until Rick Sr. and Nikki Barnes came out. Now The posse was even aware, they weren't even aware that they were being watched because the MODs were so un unrecognizable in their disguises. It's getting crazy, y'all. These Mexicans, man, they meant business. You know? The party had reached its end for the night. All the movie stars, musicians, drug kingpins began to leave for the night. Once they were all gone, the posse members closed and locked all the doors and went to the back with Nikki to count the safe. And now, we dig into the shootout with Nikki Barnes with the posse protecting him from the MODs dressed as women. Until the next episode.